Welcome back, Questers, to another episode of Success Quest. I'm your host today, Caleb Valle, and today we've got a special guest with us. I am so excited to introduce to you. Um, he is a speaker, an entrepreneur. He's a millennial, proud millennial, just like I am. And uh, he is the world's leading high-performance coach for millennial executives and entrepreneurs. I welcome to you, Mike Sesniak. Caleb, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. No, thank you, man. We're so excited to have you on, man. Like... Uh, so questions, obviously I talked to him a little bit previously a couple weeks back or a few weeks back uh, on the phone. Um, and I just found out, man, this, this guy has everything really kind of like going for him. Like maybe he's not the luckiest guy, but he works hard, man. Like since he was young. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give him a couple minutes just to introduce himself a little bit to the quest community. Mike, take, take it, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks again. This is, uh, I'm excited. We had a good call a couple of weeks ago and, and the energy is good. So I'm excited to jump in and add some value for, uh, for the Quester community. But, um, yeah, like you mentioned, I'm in the high performance coaching consulting space. I run a company called the results engine where we work with entrepreneurs, agency owners, and sales pros really help them get hyper-focused on what drives the needle and what leads to the revenue and the impact and then increase productivity and performance around those things uh, in a much shorter window of time so we can make more money, have a bigger impact, and all these things that we're striving for. But prior to that, and I'm sure we'll probably want to dive into this at some point, uh, you know, my whole life was architect around where I could play soccer. And then I dumb lucked my way into an engineering school because a guidance counselor at one point had said, hey, you're good at math and sciences. You should look at it. Like, look at engineering. I'm like, okay, do they make a lot of money? And he said, yes. I'm like, <laughs> sign me up. And because, uh, man, back then, all I wanted to do was make a boatload of money, retire young, and open a Pitbull Rescue Foundation. Like, literally, my favorite wow. show on TV was Pitbulls and Parolees. No and, way. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of gone. Like, so that was, that was the dream back then. And uh, I didn't entertain any schools I couldn't play soccer at. I happened to get you know recruited by a really good engineering school and spent four years there, ended up coming out of school with a computer engineering degree, spent five years in corporate engineering order processing systems for a big global luxury e-commerce company. I was working out wow. in midtown Manhattan. And like the, the career trajectory was very, very linear. Like every year was a big pay raise or big promotion. And you know, and the outside, like it looked beautiful. Like I, yeah. I had the six figure salary. I had the senior title. I had the luxury apartment all by the age of like 25. Like it, it was going really well, but behind closed doors, I was completely broken. Like wow. horrible panic attacks, like really interesting journey with anxiety for a number of years. And I didn't understand what was going on. Like back then it wasn't cool to talk about mental health on social media. No, now we're it seeing wasn't. it a lot more. Um, but back then it wasn't, I didn't know anyone that had ever been through it. I had never even like heard of panic attacks. So, you know, I, I remember going through this first attack on January 1st, 2014. And I literally like, I call my roommate was out of town at the time and uh, he was up on like some ski trip he used to do every year at new year's. And, you know, I, I picked up the phone to call my mom because like in that moment, you don't know what's going on. Like I wanted you seek some connection. Right. And like, I don't want to be that dude to call 911 on myself. Yeah. You know, and if anyone's, for anyone listening that hasn't experienced a panic attack, it feels like there's literally a thousand pounds on your chest. At least that's what it was like for me. So, you know, I, I pick up the phone and I call just to get some connection. And I remember I pressed mute on the phone because I was head deep in a toilet in the middle of this attack. Wow. And I didn't want to freak my mom out any more than my tonality probably already had on right. that call. So, 
that set a set me on a whole path and in a weird way that journey right there this year-long journey of going to the doctors getting my chest x-ray doing the breathing tests all this stuff because i thought it was a physiological issue i didn't realize what was actually happening uh, i thought my lungs weren't working properly speaks to my ignorance around the issue but i had to figure that out the the hard way and long story short about a year in i had to reverse engineer what was going on and what I realized is for me, every single one of the attacks, a thousand percent of the attacks happened in a moment where I felt guilty for not working. Wow. Wow. So when we unpack that a little bit, what I realized is one, I had a very unhealthy mindset around work for me personally. I've, I'm one of these guys that like, I'm sure everyone listening to this probably can relate to this, like extremely high goals and very high expectations for myself. Yeah. And back then I was looking at social media and I thought it was like the blueprint. I thought I was looking at people that seemingly had what I wanted. And I thought I was looking at what it took to get there. I didn't realize that it was a highlight reel. So Ooh. when you pair those two things together, very, very dangerous recipe. And I fell uh, victim to that, I guess. Yeah. Like a victimhood sense. I'm sure at times it was, but like that really, really affected me. And yeah. long story short, I realized if I could show up more powerfully when I was working, might not have felt so guilty when I wasn't working and it set me down the path of productivity that cracked the door open for high performance. Cause it's just wow. a fraction of what we do, but eventually I kicked the door through and uh, ended up in the space that I belonged for so long. And wow. And now look at you now look yeah. at you helping people everywhere. People who are kind of experiencing what you've been experiencing your whole life um, and now helping them become more productive <laughs> in business more than anything and get that men mental state in the right on the right path. That's awesome, yeah. man. I'm so excited. Um, you, dude, so tell us, tell us a little bit more about, because on the call, I mean, you've been doing stuff like this forever. You've been doing business related things since you were a kid. How, how young were you when you started your first business? <laughs> yeah. I mean, business goes in air quotes for this one, but <laughs> I think it's like fifth grade. I, I started making duct tape wallets and selling them to my friends. That's school. right. Duct tape wallets, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was called says wallets because like Sesniak, my nickname was says. Yeah. And, um, eventually I took two buddies on to like, quote unquote, like scale it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it ent eventually ended up turning into triple S wallets. Cause my other two friends, all their last names were both ending in S or starting in S. Okay. And like, they're like, well, we're doing third of the work. Like we got to be a part of it. And like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know? And, and, um, but yeah, that was the start. So, that was the starting point. That's when you first tasted entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. It was just like, I wanted to just create and like, and make some money. I don't even know what I needed money for. Like if I wanted, <laughs> if I, honestly, man, like if I wanted to go and watch a movie with my friends, like my parents would have dropped me off, given me 10 bucks and be like, here, we'll pick you up in two hours. You know, wow. like I don't know what the hell I need money for. Yeah. But like for whatever reason, I, I think it was because I saw my friends selling CDs and I'm like, huh, like that, that seems easy. What can I do? And yeah. Uh, and yeah, it started me down the path. Yeah, that was the the snowball on the yeah. hill, and that's what it. <laughs> now now look at you like telling people, um, helping them on their paths. So um, let's talk a little bit about that journey. Maybe from when you were a kid. When did you start realizing that like, oh my gosh, like, what did you like? You need to start changing your mental state. Was it right mm -hmm. then, like you were telling me at the beginning, like twenty, or did you realize maybe a little bit sooner too? 
I mean, it's interesting. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't think I worded it the same way, but I yeah. always looked at things similarly. Like I remember back in high school, like soccer training. Like I was always that kid that was making sure to go around the corner flag when you're running laps yeah. while everyone else is like cutting that little two feet in. And like, I didn't know why I was doing that. And interesting. like, I wasn't that kid that was like, you know, it's like the, the kid in class who's like, Hey, you forgot to collect the homework or like just ratting out your friends and stuff yeah. like that. Like I didn't care that other people were, were cutting the corner. I just knew that I didn't want to. And wow. uh, that kind of like that making things difficult mentality um, for the sake of the mental gains like that, that's always been persistent. And it's just, I've called it different things throughout the journey. You know, now we call it personal development and like mentorship and like getting coaches and, you know, just doing what, what's difficult. So your life will be easy. There's that great Les Brown quote. Um, But yeah, I think it's been persistent. It's just had different like variations and evolutions, I guess. No, I totally get that. I feel like especially over the last decade, we've seen that name be called, it's been called so many different things. Um, yeah. But I, I want to ask you in your experience now helping people, especially millennials, mm-hmm. um, how many people do you come in contact with that have experienced something similar to you? Where they have with respect to With respect to the anxiety? Yes. Man, I, I feel like it's so common now. You know, I actually like literally as of the day that we're recording this about Earlier this week, maybe two, three days ago, I got that Facebook notification that was like two years ago today, you know, it was a video I posted and it was the first video I ever posted talking about anxiety, like my journey with it, my journey. And, you know, I remember how difficult it was to post that video because prior to that, and this is probably honestly, Caleb, this is probably like two, three years after the first time I experienced it, you know, I'm 29 now and this was probably like 2023 20, ish that I had first started to experience it. So this is a couple of years wow. removed from that first attack uh, for me. And man, I remember how difficult it was to press publish on that. I recorded the video like two or three times cause I wasn't happy with how the message was delivered yeah. and I felt like it didn't do it justice cause I really wanted to help people with it. Like I knew that it wasn't as, as uncommon as I thought, but what I didn't realize is this is what happened. I pressed publish. I went to my gym and I was living in Jersey city at the time in New Jersey, like right across the Hudson river from Manhattan. And, um, I remember I was working out at uh, my gym back. There was a gym called iron arena and I'm actually going there tonight for a buddy's birthday. Oh snap. um, It's like one of those small box gyms where like door code access, 24 hour access. You just go in whenever you want. You plug your phone in and blast whatever music you want as loud as you want. It's a powerlifting gym. And um, I just made sure I pressed publish, drove to the gym and made sure that I put my phone on do not disturb and made sure that my phone was the one that was plugged in. So I wouldn't be checking it. And I was playing my music. Right. And every once in a while I would check the notifications and because I was so nervous of the response, you know, like at that point, Maybe five people in my entire life knew what I had been through. Both of my parents, my sister, my roommate, and one other friend were my closest yeah. friends in the world who, I, who was like that guy that I, I felt like I could trust and talk to, even though I didn't expect him to understand, but he could like just be there for me. And now you're being and, vulnerable uh, on a space that's endless, you know? Yeah. But that's, it, it's difficult to take that first step, you know? Yeah. And 
I, I paint all this picture because back to your point, I didn't realize how uncommon it was. And it was remarkable to me. One, the support of people in my world and people that didn't even really know me, frankly, like we have friends on Facebook, but they're not friends. Like they're, yeah. they're connections, you know? And, um, but a lot of people in like my personal life that just are also on the internet, uh, there was a lot of great support. But what was really interesting is a lot of the messages I was receiving were like people that really close to me were like, man, I've been through the same exact thing or like wow. I've been through the same and worse. And I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, like I'm, I'm here if you ever want to talk and like yeah. stuff that I never realized, you know, like I didn't realize how common it was and painting it or stemming it all the way back to your original question of how common it is in the, in the work. I think nowadays it's like, it's not quite ubiquitous. Like it, it, it's very common in the entrepreneurial yeah. space. I'll put it It's that almost way. more rare to find someone who's not dealing with that. Yeah. Especially in the entrepreneurial space because man, it is, it's a stressful, stressful. It's space. a solitary life. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Like it, especially when it's completely out of the norm of the structure that we're sold. Like I, I very much grew up in the structure of like, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. And I did that. And then all of a sudden I was making all of this money in my early twenties that like, dude, engineering is like as close as you're going to get to FU money outside of a commission sales role or like, you know, wall street or like something like that or owning your own business. Like I'm just being honest, yeah. like you can make a lot of money in engineering and I was doing that and like people couldn't understand why I was going to walk away from it for something that wasn't proven, you know? And yeah, it's something that's not stable, more risky. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, dude, we understand that that risk yields the opportunity for the reward, Exactly. but the reward doesn't always come. So it, when you're yeah. already dealing with that turmoil, and you're already fighting that battle on all fronts from people that don't understand your journey with, which frankly, they're not supposed to, it's not their journey, but they're still trying to impose their will on you exactly. because they care. It's from a loving perspective, yeah. right? I want to make sure that's clear, but like, it doesn't matter. That still feels like you're fighting that war on all fronts. So it's not uncommon for your, your thoughts to run rampant. Right. And, um, yeah, and, dude, it's just, and, and I think too, because it. I love you, people who are listening to the podcast right now can't see that right now behind Mike is his, his sign. And the first thing you see is hack your life, live your dream and or hack your fear, live your dream. Sorry. Yeah. And hack, I, I love the word fear because I feel like that is what makes business seems so risky. It's, it's this lack of knowledge that creates fear. We're like, Oh my gosh, we don't exactly know what's going to happen in the future. And that yeah. makes what things that makes business risky for us. It's fear. Mm -hmm. Fear is what makes risk. And when you, when you add knowledge and you reduce that fear, now your risk is being reduced in a way. And people don't, don't realize that there are ways to reduce the risk of entering a business. Yeah. I would even say like, I don't know that it's reducing the risk. I think a lot of the fear in that space is perceived. Like it's stuff that we're manufacturing and we're manufacturing fear that doesn't serve us. Ooh, right. I, love I like that. Fear hacking was the first program I ever built when I first entered the coaching space. I resisted that space for probably three years. Um, a lot of really close people in my life were like, dude, you should really help people or you can really help a lot of people in that space. And, you know, even like athletics, my, my engineering career, I was always in like leadership roles. And even if I, like, even as a junior engineer, I was still 
carrying myself and serving in a way that like the senior engineers and the principal engineers would come and ask me for support in some things wow. like stuff that I own. It was just like, it was just natural for me. And I always wanted to just help people. So people were trying to push me in and I was like, no, that's, that's not my thing. Cause back then Instagram wasn't as big as it is now. I saw like life coach and everyone's Instagram bio. I'm like, you're yeah, 16, everyone. you got no experience. <laughs> you have no clients. You got no business. Well, like what experience do you have to, to serve people with? And part of that was true, but part of it was also me not understanding the coaching industry. Either way, yes. long story short, <laughs> I, I, I move into the coaching space and I wrote Fear Hacking Academy on the flight home from the event where, you know, I met the world's leading high performance coach and um, yeah, the rest is history. But um, wow. fear hacking is all around manufacturing fear that will serve us, not the other way around. And to your point, I think oftentimes this fear, we're just manufacturing. It's like, our brain, our 2000 year old brain is trying to keep us safe, right? It's a very powerful tool, but at the same time, it's trying to keep us comfortable. And yeah. if you're listening to podcasts like this, like everyone listening right now, you're listening to this because you want to grow. You want to, you have these big dreams that you want to work towards and people like you and I, Caleb, we understand that it's going to require getting uncomfortable. So we have to figure that piece out. And when we can acquire that knowledge, what that allows us to do is poke holes in that fear and realize that frankly, most of it's BS. And when we get that knowledge, we could poke holes in it because it's like, oh, well, I don't know anything. And then I'm going to, I'm going to stop making money and I'm going to starve and I'm going to be out on the street. It's like, well, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you, you're you exaggerating. Might not make money. Yeah. You know, like, dude, if my business failed, I could go back to corporate and get an engineering degree or engineering job. Like, and anyone's listen that's listening to this, like you have options. People are like, yes. man, but I don't have a choice. No, like you're making the choice right there. You just don't have an <laughs> easy choice. I don't know. That's a whole No, I brand. love that. But it's yeah. this this total it's almost like the stigma of business. It's this weird perception that mm -hmm. you have to be all in and that you're gonna lose everything if it fails. But the reality yeah. is just like you say, there's so many more options out there. There's so many roads that you can take. There's so many things you can fall back on. Like yeah. you're not just going to go and get lost and then be over with forever, you know? Yeah. Um, Dude, and, and when it comes down to it, it's just like everything else. So in, in this high performance world where I like live business wise, right? At the end of the day, it's super introspective work. And what I mean by that is, you know, I alluded earlier when I was talking about the 16 year old life coach on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I alluded to the fact that I didn't understand what coaching was. Right. And back then I thought it was like, I had to have the answers, right? I didn't realize that coaching was just being able to support and navigate conversations best in service of your client and help guide them to their own solutions. Right. Consulting is giving a solution. Coaching is really helping support and navigate breakthroughs. So there's a distinct difference there. And at the wow. end of the day, that introspective work is really just quality questions. If we want better answers, we have to start asking better questions. And that's really what it comes down to when we can look at it from a different perspective. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because to your point, like sometimes the question is just like, what's the alternative, right? Or another powerful question is like, exactly. what compared to what? Right. That, that one's super relevant to like health and nutrition yes. in a weird way. Cause it's like, Oh, well that's not healthy. Uh, well really? Like what's your goal? Fat loss yeah, exactly. and, and <laughs> exactly. calorie, calorie intake should probably be your concern. And like, let's be real. The thing that you think is healthy because of the branding probably is fewer calories than a slice of pizza. So I'm gonna go eat pizza because it's the best thing ever. And I'm going to, the happiness factor is going to go through the roof yep. and I'm still going to be at a calorie deficit. So I'm still winning. 
you know, but it's like compared to what? That's a that powerful question. Everywhere. That's a powerful question. I've never really even thought of like everything you're doing in life is sort of when you, when you develop your opinion, you're comparing it to something, right? Especially in the, the health and nutrition. I thought that was very interesting. Um, but kind of going back to um, what we were talking about earlier about how in business, it's kind of all about being in a place of discomfort, right? Where you're just mm-hmm. not comfortable and you're, you're, you have to leave that zone of where you're content in life. Um, yeah. What's the power of just jumping into something that is not comfortable for you? Like, what can that bring to your life? Everything you don't have, right? right. Like, at the end of the day, and I'm not saying take that leap without, like, yeah. making sure it's an educated <laughs> decision. Like, caveat, <laughs> I don't, don't slide in my DMs and be like, Mike, I jumped off the cliff and, like, the parachute didn't open. Yeah, it's because you didn't put the parachute on. So like, that's my my catch all right there. But at the end of the day, our current way of thinking, our current skill set has gotten us to where we are. It's not going to get us to where we want to go. Otherwise, it would have already gotten us there. So we need to develop another skill set. We need to go somewhere we haven't gone. Like these are all things that we need to switch it up and get uncomfortable and seek that discomfort so we can get to that next level, whatever that looks like that's like a common rule. Like it doesn't matter what it is. If it's in the gym, if it's in life, it's in business, it's in your relationships, whatever it is, it's going to take a different version of you to get to a different location. And if you really want to go to that different location, figure out what that Delta looks like and see what kind of person you need to grow into to get to that location. Right. And then you can start to build action items around it. Yeah. Um, But if you don't, like if you stay in that comfort zone, you're not going to get anywhere else. You're going to still be at that same job and, you know, be, be there 40 years later. And like nowadays you don't even have a pension or you don't even get like a gold watch after like 40 years. Yeah. You know, they're just like, <laughs> thanks for giving us your life. You've made us a lot of money. You can retire now. Dang. And like, hopefully you put enough money in your 401k because otherwise not our problem. Right. Exactly. Oh like that's kind of the world that we live in now. And that's what happens if you stay comfortable. Yeah. And, and I imagine too, because like, the the reason it's so dangerous maybe to even stay comfortable is because the world around us is changing. The world around us is evolving. You know, technology is increasing and, and people are mm-hmm. learning more about like people are leaning, like you said, to, to, um, um, mentors and kind of like those success yeah. gurus. Um, the world's evolving. And if you're kind of staying behind and you're not evolving, like what's happening to you, you're staying in that safe, maybe comfort zone, but you are, never going to maybe achieve the dreams that you want, the ambitions that you have that they're internalized. You're never going to see those become reality if you don't leave that comfort zone. Yeah. By the way, and that comfort, that safety, that guarantee, if we're talking specifically around corporate America, like, dude, that's also a fallacy. There's nothing guaranteed about it. Like in New York, there's no unlawful termination. So basically they could just be like, all right, see ya, you're fired. Well, what you done? It doesn't matter what it's for. Right. So we think that because it's called a salary that we're going to get that money on the 15th and the 30th. Yep. And and actually, so good. Go ahead. Continue. I was just going to say before I left corporate, there were 2000 jobs cut from my company. Right. The year before I left. Wow. And there were more after I left. Right. And dude, that's very, very common. We see companies restructuring all the time. Wow. And that's crazy. There's nothing guaranteed about it. And I'm not just trying to like 
talk crap about corporate America. I just want to paint the picture like these stories we're telling. It's because it was an agenda that was pushed on us. It's not truth. It's the truth they want us to believe, right? It's not the truth they want us to believe. It's the message they want us to believe. But that's just the structure we've been sold. And like, if you thrive in a corporate environment, do your thing, make your money. Just understand that that's not guaranteed. That's just part of the process. And that could be taken away just as quickly as a client can fire you if you're running your own service-based business, yep. right? Like, that's just what it is. And again, like, I'm not here to talk crap on corporate because it served a great piece of my journey. Like I made a bunch yes. of money. It served, it, it allowed me to fund the beginning of my entrepreneurial, like adult entrepreneurial journey. But at the same time, I want to make sure that we're actually looking at things for what they are. Yeah. Not just what we're told that they are. Exactly. And if you're leaning more entrepreneur questers, maybe see those things as stepping stones, you know, because that's what it was for you, Mike. It was a stepping stone exactly. for you to be able to go and find and do what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yep. Exactly. So let's dive into, because another thing that I'm, I'm sure my questers are thinking about right now is, man, to be uncomfortable and to do things that take me out of the comfort zone are obviously hard. And sometimes we're forced to do them, but how can I learn to love being in that zone? Or is it just me loving the fact that I'll never love being in that zone? Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want? Right. I always joke that it's like that, that gift from the notebook, like any dude that's ever oh, had a girlfriend yeah. has watched the notebook. So we don't need to like poke fun. Like, why is this six foot five bearded dude talking about the notebook on this podcast yeah. right now? <laughs> we all know what it is. There's exactly, no shame anymore. Exactly. Everybody's <laughs> seen it. And, um, there's that scene. It's like, what do you want? Right. Yep. I use this gift all the time. And that's life, you know, like in the high performance world, clarity is the cornerstone habit. Right? There's six main habits in high performance, right? And clarity is like that source of amplification. You always, I always compare it to a rising tide. When you have clarity, everything rises. But when you don't, everything kind of falls back a bit, right? And we always hear like a rising tide lifts all ships. But when that tide goes out, the ships go with it. So at the end of the day, like knowing what you want should be a driving force enough. We always hear the cliches like your if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not strong enough. And like it's cliche, but it's true. It's true. Right? Now here's why that's important to your question. We've already established that your current skill set, your current way of being, your current like version of you has gotten you to where you are. And that's great. But if you want to go further, you need to figure out what that looks like and that will require getting uncomfortable. So if you really want it and not just saying you want it because someone told you to, right? Because your parents say that you should want it or like society is telling you that you should want it. That's bull. Like, because you actually want it, then we have to fall in love with this process and maybe not enjoy it all the time, but at least fall in love with the end goal. Right? Like, and this applies to corporate too. I remember having a bunch of conversations. One of my cousins, I used to live with him for a couple of years and um, one of my closest, like closest people in my life. And um, I was talking to him about, he was doing some career transitions, you know, and no matter what career you're in, you're going to have to do the grunt work. You're going to have to work for more than you're paid for. Like you're going to have to work all of this stuff you have to make sure that you're in love with that end goal because you have to do the grunt work everywhere. It doesn't matter where. So you might as well do it and make sure that you're on the journey to get to what you want. 
life's the same way, right? Like that discomfort, you have to go through that process to get to that end goal. So when you know what you want, that will pull you. It'd be like that magnetizing force and it can't be money. Money's not enough. Like money's a number. Everyone's like, you got to save money. What for? Like it's, it's to get us things, right? To provide opportunities. It's It's not enough. Yeah. It's a tool. It's a vehicle. Like all these things, it's gotta be more than money. Like what do you want the money for? And exactly. like Dean Graziosi always talks about like the seven layers of why or yes, whatever the actual word I is. I love like, that, man. I love that. There's really good practices out there, but we got to figure out what that is because that will allow us to overcome that hurdle, right? Yeah. Because dude, our decisions are emotional. They're not logical. It's the entire premise that fear hacking was built on. And it comes down to seeking pleasure or avoiding pain, right? Avoiding pain is more powerful, hence fear hacking. But seeking pleasure is the other 50%. That's just that why. When we want yeah. that bad enough, it's going to pull us. And it's yeah. not like it requires work. Like there's no magic pill, you know? And uh, that's the unfortunate truth. And I'm sorry to break it 10 yep. <laughs> Thank uh, you, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Caleb. But like, you know, that's, that's the truth of it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to require time. It's going to require energy. Hell, there'll probably be some late nights, early mornings. You'll probably break down in tears at times. And it's part of it. That's what makes the journey beautiful, man. Like In the end, when you get to a point in your life where you're like, man, I'm actually like incredibly happy with where I am. You look back at that journey and all of that makes it more beautiful. It makes it more delicious almost. Um, yeah, and if you it. have that perspective, maybe have that perspective that while you're in the moment, you, you just broke down and you're crying because things are hard. Have that perspective that, man, this is part of that journey. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that motivates you more. I feel like that, that builds yeah. upon your drive. Um, I agree. I agree. But, but Mike, what is, um, since we're already kind of talking about that and we have to, it's so important to find at your core, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm-hmm. What is your drive, your ultimate why? Yeah, for me, it's always been my family. Um, I grew up in a pretty big family and it, it's, it's everything to me. Like my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving because it was the one holiday where everyone got together oh, and cool. uh, it was just so cool, man. Plus the appetizers were always great. Yeah, <laughs> good like, food, good food, yeah, good company. Yeah, but like that's always been it. I, I don't know what it is. Like I'm sure it's how I was brought up, like the example that my parents set, but I've always been that guy that just wanted to, to be able to provide, right? Like whatever that was, like when I was younger, my twenties living in Manhattan in my early twenties living in Manhattan. And I'm like, I wanted to be that guy that could just like buy around shots for my friends at the bar or like, yeah, whatever it is. And like longer term, it's, I want to be that guy that can not like spoil the people around me, but can always afford the opportunities. Right. And just take that stress away. Yeah. You know, and, and just make sure that we can live life on our terms. And that's always been it for me. Always. Um, and that's like, that's the high level. I mean, we can dive into no, it. No, no, that's powerful. Yeah. It's, it's funny because you bring that up. I actually remember not too long ago, I was sitting at a dinner table with my brother-in-law and we were kind of discussing this whole idea too. And he's very similar mindset, like just mm-hmm. want to be able to provide that when you're sitting at a table and you're, you're with your best friends, or your best family, and you're, you guys are just talking, you're enjoying each other's like company that he yeah. could say, that he could pay the bill, you know, at the end, that's all he wants to do is just be able to take, to reduce that level of tension and be like, I, I want to pay that. You know, I want to mm-hmm. take care of you guys. That's a powerful yeah. motivator. That's a powerful motivator. I love that. Um, 
How did you determine that that was what it was? <laughs> did you go through a long process or you kind of just knew that since you were a kid? It's kind of just always it, you know, like I was very fortunate to always be around my family growing up. Um, like my mom's one of five. So my wow. grandmother, my grandmother's still with us. She's about to turn 97, wow. uh, which is just freaking badass. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yes, it you is. know, so like she has like over 20 something great grandchildren. Like my family is very, very close. And a lot of us grew up very close together and we were similar ages. So um, it's just, I've always just been around that. And it's just always been in me. Like I just wanted to, to provide. So it, it wasn't one of those things that I had to go seek. I just had to listen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about something that you're already very familiar with. Now we're going to kind of, we're kind of changing the, the tide, I guess, or turning different, right. opening a different door. Now. Um, I want to talk about productivity. This is something okay. you're, you're very familiar with. You know, you, this is like, basically your goal is to help people become more productive. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that. What should productivity even look like for people? What should, what should that ideal like mindset be? Yeah. Well, I think it's a misunderstood buzzword nowadays, first of all. Um, you know, when I was going through what I went through, I was very, like, I didn't know what productivity meant at all. I thought it was being busy, like checking things off of a to-do list. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like just getting things done. And I didn't realize that doing things doesn't matter if the things you're doing don't matter. Right? Dang. So take it. <laughs> that, yeah. Like it, it sounds so simple and it sounds so silly to say out loud, yet we often neglect it in life. And when we go through that to-do list, all of a sudden we realize that it's full of like bogus tasks that will not move the needle forward in anything that's important to us. And I'm not neglecting the fact that like, yeah, sure, there's stuff that you have to get done that might not build your business or might not like help you achieve a dream or whatever right. it is. Like they sure. need to get done, but they might not need to get prioritized. Yep. And that's where I think people most often miss the mark. So they just focus on the getting so much done in 24 hours. Yet the way to often drive the needle forward the most is to do less. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of counterintuitive, um, but there's so many cool practices that allow people to like clear out that calendar a little bit and focus on what actually drives the needle. And when, oddly enough, when you do less, you often get more. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big misconception, but it's a really important topic to me, obviously. Like I always joke that productivity was like my gateway drug to high performance because it just cracked that door a little bit that eventually could get kicked open. And it opened That's me up amazing. into this world that you know, I was so desperate to enter. I just was seeking permission. And that was yeah. ultimately meeting Brendan Burchard and, and that gave me that permission. But, um, but yeah, really, really important pillar for me. And I think it's yeah. one of the most important pillars. Oh, there it is. Questers, like productivity. And I love that we're talking about this because I know already I could, or I could like name you 10 businesses that I, I know people I know that are working really hard right now that are just so focused on like, Oh, I need to work 18 hours today. You know, 16, 18 hours. I just got to get tons of crap done. Like he's just, they're mm -hmm. just putting tons of things on their lists and they're trying to check them all off. When in mm -hmm. reality you look at those lists and you're like, was that something that really needed to be done today? And you're like, you, you start like actually taking away things and you're like, you only needed to work eight hours today. 
That's what you really, all you needed to do was to really push your business forward. And you spent 10 hours doing nothing, like essentially nothing. How dangerous is that to a business, to a person? You're getting burnt out. Dude, it's so dangerous. And like, man, at the end of the day, I was that mindset. Like I was that guy that felt like if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, wasn't being productive enough, (laughs) right? Which is like, it's just not true. And don't get me wrong. Like I love working hard. I thrive on being willing to do things that most people aren't willing to do. Like from a work ethic perspective, I was a goalie in soccer. Take that for what it's worth. But if you're a goalie in anything, you have to have a couple screws loose. And I just figured out (laughs) how to transition it, you know, and like, I'm really proud of that. I figured out how to move it into the gym and which supported my powerlifting career. I have to move it into my career in corporate, which helped me get that rise that I got in corporate. I helped move it into my entrepreneurial endeavors, helped me maximize all of that time because this business started as a side hustle. It was the third business I started in those five years that I was in corporate and I wow. worked it for a year and a half before I left corporate. So all of that came down to just being willing to work hard. So I'm not trying to neglect that that's very important. Yeah. But at the same time, so many people are just preaching grind, hustle, grind yes. on the internet. And like, if that's what you want, great. But if you're cool with working eight hours a day and you could do it effectively, you might be able to get more done than those guys and yep. girls. So you know, it's at the end of the day, it comes down to what do you want? And yep. dude, there are practices that we can walk through for those people that you're talking about where we yep. can drop it down to like 30% of what they're doing and they'll actually still get 90% of the results. And then cool. You just freed up 70% of your calendar. Exactly. And if you're content with 90% of the results, amazing. Go use the 70% for the happiness factor. But if you want more, start to fill that calendar up a little bit and you're, you'd be surprised how fast those results can compound. It's amazing. You should be so proud to because this is like what we're talking about, right? We're redefining the grind because people yeah. have that. There's such a huge misconception about that. And you should be proud. I feel like almost society or big corporate places would make you feel bad if you can get four hours of work done in an hour. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's that mentality. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting paid by the hour. You know, I'm just going to work, you know, as much as I can kind of idea mm-hmm. ideology. Um, but if yeah. you're in a business, the most important thing that you can do is get four hours of work done in one hour. If you can learn to do that, build skill sets around that, you've won. You know, that's, that's the majority of the game right there yeah. is learning to organize your time and, and be efficient, yeah, work dude, smart. If I can do four hours of work in one hour, why the hell would I want to do it in four? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real. And honestly... This is, this is why you got to be careful who you work for, Yes, right? But a good manager, a good manager will be like, dude, you can get it done in four. Like, awesome. You don't need to work like a million hours a day. Like, what do you want to fill the other hours? Maybe you get to work on a passion project yeah. or something. Like maybe there's something else that you could support the company with that might not, might be out of your scope of, of work, but you can now use that time over there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the day, there is no point in spending more time to do something than you need to. Yep. I totally agree. And I hope questers, I'm trying to give you a a really good taste of what Mike can offer you. Mike has so many things that he's doing. He has a few websites out there. He has productivity boosters. Um, And we talked a little bit about that on the phone call uh, a few weeks back. And I, I want you to really get you excited about making Mike a part of your life. 
Uh, and I, I tell this every time that people listen to the podcast, it's so important to surround yourself with smart people, with people who make your life more positive or who can change your perspective in a way that's like, oh my gosh, it's so eye-opening and I want to do better in my life, who motivate you, who inspire you. Mike is one of those people. Um, so I'm going to give Mike right now the opportunity to kind of tell us a little bit about how we can follow him, what we can do to be a part of his life, to hear more from him, to even maybe get consulting advice from you. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate the kind words, Kayla. That's awesome. Um, I hope this was valuable for your, your quest or community, but uh, yeah, if you guys enjoyed this and you want to get a little bit more of an idea of what we're doing, like the best place is my podcast. I run a show called the results engine. It's top rated in us and Canada in the top 50 for entrepreneurship and uh, been really fortunate to connect with some badass people. But we just recently started to, um, we were doing two interviews a week, interviewing top performers in all these different industries and really dissecting their journey, the highs and the lows, right? Again, no yep. highlight real stuff, like raw, authentic truth around what it actually takes, not fluff. Uh, and looking at it through a lens of high performance, but we just recently started doing some solo episodes. So I alluded wow. to this practice where we could do 30% of the work and get 90% of the results. Walking through things like that, intricate detail of what you can implement right now to drive the needle. We're doing those every Friday. So uh, that's the best place if you want to get more of this type of work. But if you have questions, I'm also just at Mike Sesniak on Instagram. Might need to link that up for him because there's yep, a lot I'll of I'll put it in the show notes, Questers. That way I got yeah. you. His last name's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little difficult. But um, feel free to slide in the DMs and, and ask any questions. I'm happy to support however I can and and uh, just help bring some stuff to life for people. That's awesome. And, and Questers, honestly, this is the most important part of the episode. If you enjoyed yourself here, if you found true value, some sort of motivation, some sort of inspiration, something you can take away from this episode here from Mike and myself, um, please give us feedback about it. You know, let us know what you loved, what you liked, and even what you didn't like and what you didn't love about the episode. We're always looking to hear how we can improve and what you are enjoying. That way we can have more of Mike sometime in the future maybe. And um I really, we are goal here at success quest. We want to help you become more wholly successful in your life. And that's the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you tune into to people like Mike and myself, um, here at success quest and at the results, uh, engine. Um, so make sure to go check them out. Don't forget that we come up with new episodes every Thursday. Um, and to make us a part of your life. Um, so you guys have a great day and a successful day. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Yeah. Thank you, man.